It's hour four of First Stop here on TSN 1050. AK and Coco with you, and I'm looking at our list of callers for Wake Up Woodbridge. What a collection. Some of our favorites. We'll get to them in just a moment. And, I mean, there's so much to get to today as far as the Leafs, their performance last night. It truly was something special. The line that still lacks a name, and honestly, I'm a little bit partial to this suggestion, the 401 Express. Thoughts? Nah. Not feeling it? Well, there was a, no. what is it, the West Coast connection, West Coast Express back in the day with the Canucks? I forget what that line was called. But yeah, I think it was the West Coast one. Express. Yeah, Maybe it was the West Coast Express. Was that Bertuzzi, Naz, and Morrison? I think and so, I guess, yes. I guess there's only been three games played by Ryan O'Reilly, Tavares, Marner line, but this is <laughs> Toronto. This is sports radio. We've got to come up with yeah. some compelling names for them. So keep them coming in, 1050-50, or tweet us at FirstUp1050. We'll read your best suggestions you know there's no better suggestion than opening up the phone lines here on tsn 1050 and on first up for wake up woodridge let's do it now time to make the call now what's this number who making this call i don't know what's this number what is this wake up woodbridge wake up woodbridge that's right so wake me it's always a treat to speak to our audience, and it's always a treat to begin Wake Up Woodbridge with a call from our guy, Shadab, who is on line three. Shadab, 13 points for O'Reilly, Marner, and John Tavares. Did you wake up with a smile this morning? Good morning, boys. You can tell by that good morning I woke up with more than just a smile. I'm telling you. <laughs> nice. I understand what you're talking about, Shadab, as you should, as you should. I mean, <laughs> what did you make of the line and and as far as their performance? Is this something that you'd like to see continue? You'd want, you want O'Reilly with Marner and Tavares going forward. That's something you want to see stick? In an ideal world, I would love them to be together. But that that man, O'Reilly, has that dog in him. It's like, it reminds me back in the day of Junkyard Dog and the Raptors. He has that dog in him. When he stepped on the floor for the Leafs, the Leafs played different. They were different animals. And then Noel Achari, he's that got that dog in him too. That fourth line was buzzing last night. But shout out to my guy, Ryan O'Reilly. In, like, three games, he has four goals. That's called immediate impact. That's, like, better than Connor McDavid. That's better than Connor Bedard in the World Junior. This guy <laughs> is taking us to the Stanley Cup Finals. Plan that wow. parade. Get your wives and kids ready because we're going to party this summer. <laughs> Shadab, you're a beauty, Better than buddy. Bedard at the World Juniors? I mean, that might be a stretch. That was, that was a pretty good performance from Bedard, but there's no denying that Ryan O'Reilly, at least for one night, was indeed Bedard-esque. Let's go to line one. Chris in Brooklyn. What's up, buddy? Hey, morning, gentlemen. Great to be back on. So, AK, I know you're a man for your stats, so here's a good one for you. Uh, that trio's performance last night was the first time in franchise history that three players recorded three points apiece in the first period of a game. Wow. Uh, Marner's five points was the first time by a Leaf since Doug Gilmore in 1997. And I know you're a man for stats, so I got a question for you, uh, AK. The modern mm-hmm. era franchise record for assists in a game is six, and it's shared by Doug Gilmore and one other player. Do you know who it is? Yeah, of course, Chris. It's uh, it's Babe Pratt. Everybody knows that. 
Not a boy. I figured you, I figured you would know me, Keith. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, I actually I, don't I, know how I real that. quick, I, I thought that line was clearly, you know, tremendous last night. But I think we, Leaf fans, we, we all love to get carried away with ourselves. We, we were playing the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they definitely struggle. But I, there's no doubt that that line has instant chemistry. I think where, and I mentioned this yesterday, where it really is going to pay dividends is in the playoffs when you need to move a little more depth down the lineup. And if Riley's going to get a few extra shifts, maybe perhaps as the third-line center, and you free up Matthews and Tavares against other matchups that might be favorable, uh, especially if we could secure home ice, that's going to be absolutely crucial. But no doubt that line has got incredible chemistry already. And, um, you know, I don't think anyone doubted for one second that this was going to be an amazing trade. Great call. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you're spot on. And, and we talked last year during the playoffs for Tampa with the Anthony Sorelli shutdown line and where they go in to look at Austin Matthews and the getting last change obviously is huge. And for Tampa with Sorelli in the games in Tampa Bay, they did a really good job of shutting down Austin Matthews line this year. I mean, if O'Reilly and Marner and Tavares are playing again, it's just one night. They were incredible last night. And they're playing the Buffalo Sabres with Uko Pekka Lukinen in goal, not Andre Vasilevsky. Will be a little bit different come playoff time. But I think what remains is the threat that that trio can present. And you have Matthews, Nylander, and Bunting on the top line or whatever line, 1A, 1B. It's uh, some serious business that the Toronto Maple Leafs have going right now. That's very exciting for them. Let's go to Richard in New Mexico. Go ahead, Richard. Hey, boys. Uh, good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Uh, Carl, at 6.05 this morning, I heard you say Riley's only going to get better once they get some practice. Practice? Are we talking practice? <laughs> Come on. Come on. I mean, after last night, holy smokes, uh, it's just unbelievable. I've got a name suggestion for you. Martyr O'Reilly Tavares. The Motley Crew. Oh the, wow! There it I is. Believe, I believe the cheese. Crew. I do believe cheese. Our producer suggested that earlier, but the Motley uh, Crew yeah. is pretty good. Hey, we said Matthews Band, and uh, why not do the Motley Crew? I love exactly. that. Think of the song she could play. I mean, it'd be amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, Dubas. Dubas. My nickname for him is Dubious, and after our goalie situation that's going on right now, that is freaking dubious. That's all I got. I'm out, boys. All right, All thanks, right. Richard. That's Richard in New Mexico. And I, I don't think Richard's alone. I think things have kind of shifted in Leafland. And you knew Samsonov wasn't going to – he and, and Matt Murray weren't going to win the Jennings Trophy for you know the lowest goals against average. That was never going to happen. I think everybody, if you talk about the beginning of the season and the outlook, would have signed off on league average goaltending from Samsonov and Murray because they're paying below – League average value for those two guys. Man, Ottawa's paying some of Matt Murray's deal. Samsonov was cut, essentially, by the Washington Capitals. If you expected these guys to come in and compete for the Vezina, it just wasn't going to happen. I think right now they're probably about league average. Samsonov's been pretty average of late and maybe a little bit below average. He had an amazing run, and maybe he'll have another amazing run uh, in, uh, towards the conclusion of the regular season. But I think it's probably fair to say that the goaltending would have to be the Leafs' biggest concern at this moment. I don't know how big of a concern it is, Coco, but it has to, to be. Me. It's no, not a concern at all. No, why would it be? I mean. Well, I mean, memories hurt. I haven't seen him play okay, in months. But, 
here's the question you need to ask yourself, and everybody's saying that goaltending is a concern. Is there somebody out there that you're going to go get that's going to give you an upgrade on your goaltending? Probably not, but I think the only probably the best way you can do it is by bringing in another defenseman who can help you out and clear the it, front of the net. And exactly. That's probably the best way you're going to improve your goal. Exactly. I totally agree with you on that. That's why this whole goaltending conversation is a non-conversation because is there a guy out there that's going to improve your goaltending? No. So then why are we having this conversation? If, if Matt Murray comes back and gives you the goaltending he gave you in November, are people going to complain? No, of if, course if, not. If Sam's, yeah, so like I, this is who they decided to go with at the beginning of the season. This is the team that has, or sorry, these are the two guys that have gotten them to this point. And I believe what Kyle Dubas said, like they they shouldn't feel worried about their goaltender. They believe Matt Murray will be back at the end of the month. You have to trust that that's what they believe. You've seen what Samsonov could do for you. You kind of like the depth that this organization has shown in the goaltending position with Joseph Wall and Eric Schalgren. I mean, measure the, the, the goaltending position for the Leafs against any other team in the league when it comes to the depth of their position. I would say the Leafs are pretty high up there when you're talking about four guys that they've played this year that have shown they could win hockey games. And, Unless, and that's the thing about goaltending in the NHL, how we overlook it. Unless you have Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Hellebuck, I mean, unless you have one of those three guys, how many teams out there have elite goaltending? You're right. I mean, this time last year, we would have absolutely included Markstrom from Calgary in that conversation. Now right. he's a sieve. Can't make a Even save. Even UC so. Soros. But UC, UC Soros, Soros yeah. is a guy that is playing on Nashville right now that's probably not going to make the playoffs. So why are we even having that conversation? I mean, maybe a guy that has elevated himself into that conversation is Jake Ottinger with Dallas. Ottinger, yeah, he, he definitely but has. I and and say all, go- all, Mark in, all Mark in Boston and Swayman. I mean, those guys would have right. to be considered the class. Okay, so people say go upgrade your goaltender. Okay, h- how are you going to go upgrade your goaltender? Who is out there that's going to give you an upgrade on what you already have? That's why That's why I don't even bother having this conversation with people because it's like it doesn't exist. Unless Matt it's Murray's true. out for the season, it doesn't exist. I still have this sneaking suspicion that Matt Murray's going to be starting game one for the Maple Leafs. I know it sounds crazy right now. We haven't seen him in so long. doesn't sound crazy at all, AK. I, I, I think he's going to be back in a couple weeks. I mean, we've said this many times. And if he gets hot, I mean, Samsonov hasn't been great lately. The door's wide open for Matt Murray to come and take the job back if and when he gets healthy. It's just a matter of the latter. Getting healthy. And for memory, that's been a major challenge, not only this year, but for many years now. Let's go to line three. Hank in Niagara. Good morning, Hank. Hey, how are you doing? This is Colonel Hank Yankee in Niagara Falls. I tried to get through uh, yesterday. I wanted to put a little uh, spin on the guys that were arguing about the wave, etc. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the little guy that sits there with the little white beard behind the bench, little white goatee, you've seen him? Of course. Okay. Yeah, that's the octagon okay, guy, right? Yeah, that's that's where where I sit the odd time, and uh, we do the wave down there. And uh, so I just wanted to make uh, make it sure that you guys uh, realize this. And now, on the other hand, uh, we don't need any changes; just a little tune-up. And as I told you, uh, I was 28 the last time the least won the Stanley Cup, and uh, I reversed that around and added a couple to it. So, good Lord willing, uh, I'm going to. Get to see that Stanley Cup before I go up to join uh, Johnny and the boys. So uh, <laughs> if you're a Leaf fan, uh, you got to be Leaf. 
And uh, that's all I have to say. So go Leafs, go, and uh, we're going to have a Stanley Cup uh, I love it. before. Okay? I love it. Hope Hank. you're right, Hank. Me Hope too. Right. Me too. Uh, what was Hank talking about with the wave? I, I did hear. I didn't hear all of Overdrive yesterday. I was busy doing a bunch of things. But was Brian Hayes like staunchly opposed to the wave? And then they did it in Buffalo, and they didn't like that. I was kind of confused. What was going I, on with that? I don't really know, but I think the the juice of the conversation was Hayes basically saying somebody was saying to Hayes that. The wave happens too much, and Hayes was saying mm-hmm. he never sees it enough. And apparently, after you know, after every time Overdrive talks about something, it 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 catches on. And in the in Buffalo yesterday, there was somebody that was listening in Overdrive that sent a video of the wave. Hayes retweeted it. <laughs> And then people started to call Hayes Wavy B. Yeah, I see that. So apparently Brian <laughs> said he never sees the wave at Leaf games. And I, honestly, I don't go to nearly enough Leaf games to really have uh-huh. any type of opinion on that. But I don't know. I, I like I like the wave. I'm not really like I don't. I, I there yeah. are people who just hate the wave. I'm like, why? It's fun. You stand up. You do the wave. I tell you it. what, man. Like when you're when you're at a sporting event and you actually see like the wave happen in person and you know the consistency behind it and how synced it is with the fans it's pretty it's amazing cool. to watch i agree it's Shout pretty out to the wave underrated yeah. underrated is the wave uh thank you to all of our callers shadab and hank and chris and our caller from new mexico too we're worldwide here on first up We've prestige got Sam prestige worldwide That's exactly it prestige worldwide uh, we've got Sam Quinn from CBS Sports who covers the NBA. The Raptors back tomorrow, and it sounds like they are fully healthy. You'll see Trent. You'll see Ananobi. You'll see Achua. Everybody who was banged up towards the end of, I guess, before the All-Star break, which seems like an eternity ago, uh, they will be back tomorrow mo- tomorrow night. Uh, and, did I say OG Ananobi? I believe so. Um, yeah, he's probably the, the central focus. Did I say Rafalski? Ananobi with that wrist injury. Uh, he is back and ready to rock. So you'll see the full complement of the, what the Finally. Toronto Raptors are. And you hope they're able to go on a little bit of a run here because, I mean, you know, they were buyers at the deadline with Jakob Pertl. So may as well try to win games now, even though Victor Wenbenyama is growing by the day. Now he's seven foot five. He's a Inch, full inch taller than he was at the beginning of the season. What well, is this guy going to be? Him in feet? French. In, no, in French. <laughs> lots of lots of baguettes. Lots of baguettes yeah. that is conducive to growth. I need to. Go what is what is the popular French the cuisine that people rave about? You know, Dirty. like duck. They eat a lot of duck out there. I think maybe is it well, duck? Cause cause has a very refined palate. There's a place called Le Select Bistro on like down. Close to where I live, that apparently causes a regular Adams French fine dining. You know how uh-huh. Cause is with his wine and his very expensive. Because you know, like Italians, <laughs> the the famous cuisine is pasta, right? So if this mm-hmm. guy's putting on four inches in weight, you're saying they're probably stuffing his face with pasta. Like, famous what what French would be the food. French cuisine that they're Let's stuffing Wembenyama's right. face with? Croissants. Okay. Yes. Croissants. Uh, escargot. Ooh. French onion soup. 
Oh, yes, French onion soup. I remember. Why don't they have French onion soup at the cafeteria? Like, what's up with the discrimination against I think they've French had it cuisine? a couple of times, but remember that too many onions? Yeah, I'm not mm, really. That's always a major issue. Yesterday, French too. French Turkey onion soup rice. has to be done a certain way where you don't need to overdo it with the onions. You just need to have the right flavor of onions in it that basically helps encapsulate the, the flavor of the of the French onion soup, mm-hmm. and obviously the 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 crumb and the the melted cheese on top. Oh, oh man! It only took three good. hours and eighteen minutes for us to, to discuss soup. That's probably <laughs> foie the gras. Somebody oh, texted in foie, foie gras too. What is foie yes. gras? Foie gras. <laughs> uh, it's a guy. I, I don't want to. You know what? We're going to come it. back on the other side. We're going to find yeah. out the answer to that question. The pressing questions that you need to know. And again, thank you to all our, all of our callers for Wake Up Woodbridge. That was a very fun edition of. Of Wake Up Woodbridge, and it's always fun because hearing the audience and some more optimistic than others, but I think there has to be a lot of persistent optimism, at least until Friday night when the Leafs take on the Minnesota Wild. We've got Sam Quinn from CBS standing by as well. The fourth hour first up, we continue here on TSN 1050. Drive. Nick Nurse on overdrive today, just after 4.30 with Hayes, O-Dog, and Jamie McLennan. Looking forward to hearing about that, what Nick Nurse was up to over the All-Star Weekend, probably down in Cancun or, I don't know, something down. He didn't go um, to Utah and just do room service so. for three That's days the, straight? Uh, that is the Shaquille O'Neal move, not the Nick Nurse mm-hmm. move. Uh, also coming out right now, um, the Canadian Screen Award nominations. Coco, you and I were nominated for the worst NHL picks Last night on Dumpin' Jets, <laughs> presented by FanDuel, and we've won. There were no other nominees. Yeah. You and I, our picks last night uh, were the winners. But shout out to FanDuel, who uh, probably just profiting significant sums of money. Not the best. Based on our picks. Yeah. Uh, but it's great to see uh, so many of our colleagues, Cheryl Pounder, James Dutty, Kayla Gray, Jay Onright, Rick Westhead, amongst others, who are included in the nomination. So I'm sure we'll take home a ton of those How here. How do we get nominated TSN. for stuff like that? Yeah, I don't think they do radio, but I mean, perhaps if you put on just a clinic at Free Agent, uh, sorry, Trade Center on March 3rd, maybe you like break some trades. Like you break like, every trade. You step on Dreger and no, CJ and LeBron. Do that. No, but if you did, you that. might. You might. You might I don't be eligible. I love being award. in the mix. I love being in the mix of Trade Center because it is, um, you know, pretty crazy to see everything that 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 goes on. But I tell you right now, and I've I've been saying this for almost as many years as I've been doing this job and witnessing it firsthand. There should be a thirty for thirty, or a, you know, an, an E sixty on the life <laughs> of an insider and how they operate either throughout the season or the day of Trade Center because it is amazing to see how these guys break trades, find speculation. It's 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 I can't even describe it. And I don't want to be that guy cuz you know just just the stress sometimes I go with with the people that I know in the game when I get some intel on on some uh you know information on you know certain players that are involved. I get really nervous, you know, because you don't want to be wrong about anything. And these no, guys that's the just, worst thing you can be is wrong. You know? It's better to be second than wrong. But here's sure. the thing I was I was taught and I was taught very quickly. If the person you talk to is honest with you about what they're saying, then you're never wrong about anything. So 
you know, it's it, you you go with what people are saying, whether whether, you know, I, I never share stuff that I make up or, or you know, uh, people think that I make up. It's these are conversations that I have with people daily around the NHL, whether it's still former teammates, whether it's teammates in management, teammates on scouting staffs, teammates on coaching staffs. You're constantly, you know, keeping your eyes and your ears open to, you know, some of the stuff that's going on in the NHL. And you just try to share as much information as you can. And hopefully with that information, you you, you, you break something, well, which has happened center, a bunch of times for me. Trade center, of course it has. I have a lot of friends still playing the game and coaching and managing the game, so that's inevitable. Also, considering your role in the media here, by the way, the snow is starting to fall uh, here downtown. So, yeah. Chrissy, you're going to have to get home right after the show. Uh, we don't want you to be caught in any big snowstorm. Sounds like the vast majority of the snow in southern Ontario is going to be falling uh, this afternoon into the evening. So, and then it apparently turns to rain. And that, that is not a good combination uh, by uh, in any regard. So, drive safe out there. Uh, we've got Sam Quinn from CBS on the other side. We'll talk about the Raptors and the NBA's return tomorrow night. And could Russell Westbrook make a significant impact for the L.A. Clippers? Hmm. We'll ask Sam Quinn that next. So I'm looking at ESPN.com this morning, and they have their first ever 2024 mock draft up on the site. Carlo, guess who is in the top 10 of said mock draft in 2024? That's not this year, but next year. Any guesses? Well, this is when Benyama's draft. I don't know who's in the draft next year. So Well, I mean, be? Matas Buzelis is the number one prospect next really? year. I think he's going to be really good. I don't know. Where is he But playing? Bronny James, oh. he plays for the G League Ignite. Bronny James is 10th on Jonathan Giovoni's wow. 2024 NBA mock draft with ESPN. It's amazing how Bronny, who was not really that highly regarded as recently as last year, is all of a sudden shooting up these draft boards. He's playing really well. Um, and maybe, just maybe, he could be a guy that could go in the top 10 of the NBA draft next year. Let's welcome in Sam Quinn, who covers the NBA for CBS Sports. Sam, good morning. How you doing? I'm good. I didn't even realize Bronny was getting mocked in the top 10 now. I mean, I, I'm not a huge draft expert, mind you, but I was from the perspective that he was more or less a second-round prospect. Well, yeah, I guess I guess you the, and me both. <laughs> the, the the nepotism aspect of the NBA is rich in this one, and I don't know how much that has to do with the the ranking of Bronny has to do with LeBron and what he said to the media before, right, Sam? How you know I want to play with my kid at some point, and you know if you're a team drafting in the top ten, let's say I don't know you're San Antonio, you're like oh Bronny eighth overall. I guess LeBron, come on over, league minimum, come yeah. join us here in San Antonio. But I mean, this is a story that is going to be something that is we'll be tracking almost daily, almost like the Wen Ben Yama stuff, right, Sam? Well, you know what? If you think about it from this perspective, how much, like, you're at the trade deadline and you're a team in the playoff race, would you trade your first round pick for LeBron James? The answer is yes, like, unequivocally, right? Now, I don't know if the top 10 is reasonable because teams picking in the top 10 aren't immediately trying to win. And if you get LeBron at that point, I believe it'll be 39 or 40, he's not going to mean as much to you. But say you're picking, like, number 15. Even if Bronny is a second prospect, if you think we have a chance to really win in the next couple of years, 
much rather have a 40-year-old LeBron James than any rookie that you could possibly get in that area. So I do think that's going to inflate Bronny's value, but if he's a top-10 prospect now or even like a solid first-round prospect, that's going to change the equation a fair bit. If you have the chance to get LeBron James, who right now is averaging, I believe, 38-7 and for the mid-level exception or the minimum because he wants to play with his son, that has so much value both on the court and off the court that, of course, it's going to inflate his value a little bit. Sam, we're going to give you a call right back. Your phone's crackling a little bit. We want to make sure we get you on a crystal clear connection. But this LeBron-Bronny thing is very, very interesting on a number of levels. And what Sam just alluded to, Coco, about the ancillary value of LeBron, obviously you wouldn't be paying full market value for LeBron if you bring in Bronny. You might be able to get him at a reduced price. But also, you bring in LeBron James to your franchise with his kid? Yeah. Joining your team at the same time. Can you imagine the ticket sales and everything associated with that? The jerseys. Okay, but but let's be honest. Like as much as LeBron is hinting at this, what if Bronny gets drafted by the Detroit Pistons? <laughs> or That's a good point. You know the Charlotte Tor- Hornets. Tor- Toronto. I mean, or I don't the, think or the Keen... Utah Jazz, where Ooh, they just Utah. had the All Star game. Like, is is LeBron really leaving L A. to go play with his son? Like, yeah, that's a good question. Sam, do you think LeBron is truly as dedicated to playing with his kids so much so that he'd be willing to relocate to Detroit? Well, yes and no. I think if say like hypothetically. Let's say Cleveland were to get Bronny. I think LeBron would go right away and maybe spend multiple years there and like have a real era with that new team. If he goes to a team that's not desirable, like you know Detroit or Indiana or wherever, I think what we might see is, you know what? I'm going to stay with the Lakers, and then I'll wait until what I know is going to be my last year, and then I'll go play one year for them, right? So ultimately, like I think the Lakers are kind of watching this and thinking, I really hope it's Detroit, or I really hope it's San Antonio. <laughs> um, it's it's ultimately going to depend, too, right? I mean, what, where is LeBron going to be in his career at that point? We're talking a year and a half from now. If LeBron has a really down year next year and we finally start to see the age, then maybe he rushes it and he says, you know what, it's time, let's go do this right now. If LeBron is still where he is right now a year and a half from then, from from now, he might say, you know what, I still have winning to do, like, Maybe I'll go try to compete for a championship somewhere in 2024. And then 2026, 2027, I'll try to go play with Bronny. And then the other thing we have to think about is he's got the other son, Bryce, who's coming up, who, mm. I mean, it's too early to say with, you know, at this point what kind of prospect he's going to be. But the general consensus seems to be that athletically speaking, Bryce is the better prospect than Bronny. So maybe he waits for the second son. Maybe he tries to play with both. There's a lot on the line here, but ultimately – it's going to depend on how desirable the team that takes Bronny ultimately is. If we didn't think that LeBron owned, LeBron James owned the NBA now, well, when his kids come into the league, he'll definitely own the NBA. Um, Post-All-Star break, it was sort of a quiet day yesterday, but the Atlanta Hawks decided to fire their coach, Nate McMillan, and there's been a lot of speculation over the feud there between McMillan and star player Trey Young. We think this move was sort of sparked by Trey Young and his unhappiness in in Atlanta right now? I think there's some truth to that. I mean, ultimately, in the modern NBA, this is sort of the cycle that we go, right? It's the player and the coach feud. It's the coach that's going to go. That said, if you watch much of the Hawks this year, they have the least imaginative offense in the entire NBA. It's a lot of your turn, my turn with Murray and Young, 
you know, they haven't really figured out how to take advantage of all the scoring that they have there. This has sort of been a Nate McMillan problem for 20 years, right? Going especially back to Indiana, but you go back to Portland, you go back to Seattle. He's a defensive coach, and he's, you know, an old-school veteran coach, right? He's not somebody that maybe makes sense with a younger, star-laden team in the modern NBA. He's not a really creative offensive mind. So I do think to some extent, like, this was driven by the fact that he and Young got along, because if Trey Young was advocating for him, he'd probably still be the coach. That said, I do think that they needed to do this, and something that I'm keeping an eye on here is that they also turned over most of the front office during the season. You know, Travis Schlank got the, you know, not quite fired, but basically fired with the whole, oh, we're making, moving him into a consulting role. Now it's Landry Fields. Now Nick Ressler, the son of the owner, is really heavily involved. I don't know what direction they're going to go in at this point, but it's a very important year, year and a half for them because DeJounte Murray is going to be a free agent in 2024, and because of some, let's say, broken rules in the CBA, he's basically unextendable between now and then. So you'd better convince him that Atlanta's where you want, where he wants to be, because if he, you don't, and 2024 comes and he leaves, now all of a sudden you have Trey Young, not much around him, and you've given up your picks already. So they've got to figure this out now, and I think they probably looked at this and said, we need some momentum before the end of the season. We can't wait until the summer. Our guest is Sam Quinn, who covers the NBA for CBS. Sam, the Toronto Raptors have been a major talking point here in our city for obvious reasons. We're still basking in the afterglow of the 2019 NBA title, although it has been difficult at times this season. But they went into the All-Star break on a little bit of a run. Jakob Pertl looking good. The Raptors were buyers instead of... The sellers, which everybody expected heading into the trade deadline, what are you expecting to see from Toronto over the last 25 games or so of the regular season? You know, Jakob Pertl has been a pretty meaningful addition for them. I mean, I think there were a lot of concerns given the limited shooting on the roster. Oh, is going to ha- be having a traditional center going to cramp the floor a little bit? And what we found thus far is the answer is no, because Jakob Pertl is such a good screener and passer, and you can run so much offense through him in the high post. That said, I was very much of the opinion going into the break that they needed to trade somebody. I don't know who it's going to be. You can argue about that. But the reality here is that Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, and Jakob Pertl are all going to be free agents after the season. And then one year later, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam are going to be free agents. We've heard all this noise about how OG Ananobi might not be happy with his role. But the real problem here is that there's just no way you can afford to keep all of those guys and then eventually pay Scotty Barnes and make any other moves. So ultimately, my question for them is, what's the end game? Like, what are you hoping to accomplish by bringing in Jakob Pertl and, you know, making a run at maybe the play-in? Remember a few years ago when they're in Tampa and Masai Ujiri is asked about the play-in, he says, play-in for what? It's such an interesting change in you know direction for the team when two years ago they really didn't care about, oh, maybe we'll make a run at the 10th seed, whereas now it's like, they had a real opportunity to jump, maybe not to the top of the Wembenyama race, but right into the thick of things, you know, maybe give up a veteran or two, get another top pick, and try to work your way back in next year. I'm a little confused about what their direction is right now. I don't think you're alone with that, with that one, Sam. No but, kidding. I mean, you look at the Raptors, they're four and a half games out of the sixth spot in – um, in the Eastern Conference, the Knicks holding the sixth spot. Then you have Miami. They're just four games back of Miami, just a game behind Atlanta for eighth in the East. So, I mean, it's not an outlandish 
proposition to imagine Toronto could make a little bit of a run here, but I guess it's all about what you really are looking for, right? I mean, the Raptors are not beating Boston or Milwaukee or even Philly or Cleveland here. I think everyone would agree on that. Let's shift our focus to the Western Conference. There was a pretty big move made by the LA Clippers yesterday. They bring in Russell Westbrook, who was waived by Utah. We know Russ and Paul George are tight from their days in Oklahoma City. Do you foresee this working out favorably for the Clippers? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I think we're on the same page. Meme. Yeah, I think it's the Arrested Development meme where it's like, does it work for for some people? No, they delude themselves into thinking it'll work, but it might work for us. Like, how many teams have to make this mistake before we realize that it's just never going to happen? Right? I mean, I think the charitable explanation here, maybe a month, of six weeks ago there was a very clear need on this roster for a guard who could pressure the rim. But since Terrence Mann entered the starting lineup, that really hasn't been an issue. They've been the best offense in the NBA over the past month or so, and lineups with Kawhi, Paul George, and Terrence Mann are just blowing the doors off of people. So I just I have to wonder, what do you really hope to gain by adding Russell Westbrook? You're just taking shots out of the hands of better players here. Now, the really interesting thing here is, Paul George really advocates for this in public. A couple other Clippers players really advocate for it in public. But if you look at what Lawrence Frank was saying after the trade deadline about wanting to add a guard that couldn't get played off the floor defensively, that could shoot, that's the exact opposite of Russell Westbrook. So I do sort of wonder, like, how did the players convince the Clippers to go for this? Was there some sort of power struggle between, you know, the front office where ultimately Steve Ballmer was swayed? I would love to know how this came to be. Because over the past three, four years, the Clippers have built their team around the idea that everybody has to shoot and everybody has to defend. Russell Westbrook does neither of those things. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, One player that will probably make his debut for his new team is going to be Kevin Durant coming out of the All-Star break, and that was the big move um, at the trade deadline with the blockbuster of him getting traded to the Phoenix Suns. and. You know, Phoenix not having to give up any of Booker or Aiton or even Chris Paul to do it, is, with the addition of him and those other three guys, is it championship or bust for the Suns right now? I think when you make a trade of this magnitude for a guy who's Durant's age, you know, for a 34-year-old, you have to have the attitude that it's championship or bust, especially when, like, we can be realistic about this. There was real noise about a Chris Paul trade before they got Durant. Chris Paul is 37. He turned 37 last postseason. He'll be 38 during this postseason. I don't know how many years Chris Paul has left. And if all of a sudden Chris Paul is falling off the face of the earth and you basically just have Durant, Booker, Aiton, with Durant having the injury issues that he's had and having the age issues that he now has, you you might not have that many chances of this, right? Because you don't have more future first-round picks to trade. You don't have more future cap space to use. This is it. This is the team. You might be able to add a mid-level guy in the offseason. We saw they got Terrence Ross in the buyout market. That's about as far as they can go, right? Like, they can supplement this group with, you know, some buy-low additions. But ultimately, like, this is your group. And you're never going to have a better chance than when Durant is 34 and Paul is 38. Because next year he's going to be 35 and Paul's going to be 39. So, I mean, unless you really believe that Booker and Aiton have a level to go, the moment is right now. Now, that being said... Who's the fifth best player on this team? Is it Torrey Craig? Is it Terrence Ross? Josh Okogie? I don't have a good answer for you. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, who's the fifth guy in this lineup? 
Who's the weak link that other playoff teams can really pick at? How does the bench survive? I mean, these are real questions. I think anybody who wants to say that Phoenix is the favorite in the West, it's totally viable. I get it. They have the best four, and having the best four is really meaningful. I don't know what their five through eight, five through nine is going to look like. And if that proves problematic in the playoffs, given their limited ability to improve the roster, I would be a little scared for the next few years. Sam, fantastic to have you on the show. Your first appearance, definitely not your last. And uh, we do appreciate you doing this for us. Would love to catch up as the NBA season, the regular season progresses and comes to a conclusion. He is Sam Quinn from CBS. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. <laughs> okay. Nice sign-off. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I like that. Sam Quinn. Yeah. That was very, was great. very, very verbose. And all of a sudden, just thanks. Yeah. All right. We love Sam Quinn, though. Uh, follow his work at Sam Quinn CBS. Okay. It's time for the moment of truth. On the other side, my FanDuel best bets. I spent all night cooking them up because I've let you down lately, people. I have let you down lately, but I'm coming strong with some winners. I'll reveal them next. Interesting. Very interesting. Time now for today's Best Bets, brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. If you've been backing Anders Lee of the New York Islanders of late, you've been quite successful. He's been playing really well. He's on the top line. He's on the top power play. And he's on my betting portfolio for the evening, courtesy of FanDuel. Anders Lee to record a point minus 128 on FanDuel. He's recorded a point against Winnipeg Coco, 13 straight games. You know he'll get it done for me tonight. I'm also on Tyler Sagan of the Dallas Stars to get a point. Minus 105 against the lowly Blackhawks. Man, Sagan dominates Chicago historically. And my guess is it's point night for the Dallas Stars tonight against the Blackhawks. My last pick, I'm going to take Arizona plus a goal and a half hosting Calgary. What has Calgary done recently to merit them being a minus 230 favorite over anybody on the road? Arizona's been playing decent hockey. I like the Coyotes, plus a goal and a half, minus 144. Today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Coco, you might want to get the snowblower ready because 10 to 15 centimeters expected depending on where you are i think if you're further south based on my very expansive meteorological background ooh, i think i nailed that word if you're further down <laughs> south i don't think i think it'll be more rain than snow but it could be like kind of icy slushy snow but if you're like up in aurora Newmarket, or something like that you're probably you're probably getting hit pretty hard so uh, be safe out there people the snow's already coming down where i am i just like the fact and... that they called it a snowstorm like this mm-hmm. is what we grew up to know what snowstorms are it's a snowstorm when they come out with these big names and try to Cyclones. Scare, scare people to believe it's worse than what it is like it's a snowstorm we've grew up in canada we know what snowstorms are either you know how to live with it or you don't be I safe. wish we never had to live with it. I wish we never yeah, had to live with it. Too. Snow is just the worst. Just be safe. Just, just be, be safe. safe. Give yourself that. extra time. Stay off the roads if you if if you don't have and to be on them. You need if you need to be on the road. Make sure to have your road tires. tires on there. Best in the business. You know Best it. in the business. You know A it. tweet coming from Darren Dreger. Expect the Maple Leafs to address Muzzin's future this week. 
And this week is, I mean, it's Wednesday, so it could be coming very soon. All indications suggest that his season Wait a minute, is, is it over. Wednesday? Where did Tuesday? Oh, we didn't work Monday. Four-day work week. so off with my days. Four-day right work week needs to be permanent. I will call our boss after the show and propose it, and he won't answer my call. It never yeah. does, nor should he. I don't blame nice him at all. knowing you. <laughs> He's like, uh, no, actually, you're going five days a week. That's how it works. <laughs> okay. Okay. You are right. But, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's not surprising news with Muzzin. I mean, I think everybody was holding out hope that maybe he'd be able to return and he was feeling a lot better following the injury he suffered earlier this year. But, yeah, I mean, it does sound uh, like that is going to be official this week for Muzzin. And I guess they'll give the Leafs some clarity. I guess, you know, bringing in O'Reilly was essentially the clarity that Jake mm. Muzzin wasn't going to be returning this year. So, um, I'm sure on Leafs lunch, they will have be breaking it all down with Al's brother and Julia Tashery. Uh, Matthew Cause and on who's on overdrive? And overdrive, Nick Nurse at 425, the coach of your Toronto Raptors. Thank you to Cheese. Thank you to 20 Fingers. Thank you to our audience, everybody who texted in, tweeted in, and called in for Wake Up Woodbridge. We appreciate you listening. I'm Aaron Karulnik. He is Carlo Kuliakovo. Be safe out there, people. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Ciao. Interesting. Very interesting.